Welcome to this episode of the Sport and Tees Football Podcast. My name is Josh Franklin and I am again joined by co-host James Cartwright from the Teesside Football Blog. This weekend, two of our Northern League Teesside clubs, Stockton Town and Mask United, have huge games in the quarter-finals of the FA Vars. Both will be hoping to take one step closer to an appearance at Wembley. Stockton Town will host Windsor at Bishopton Road West, while Mask United will make the long trip down south to take on Bracknell Town. In the studio, we'll be joined by Stockton assistant manager J.D. Briggs and also first-team coach Paul Midgley. They will talk all things Stockton Town, non-league football and FA Vars. While we'll also hear from Tom Cannon from Football in Bracknell, who'll give us an insight into Mask United's FA Vars opponents. We're joined by Stockton Town Assistant Manager J.D. Briggs and also first team coach Paul Midgley. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no worries. Uh, we'll start with you, J.D. What's your role at Stockton? Um, I'm obviously, I'm Assistant Manager. I've been at the club now for the last, uh, I think this is the fourth year. Um, when Michael took over as manager, I immediately took over as Assistant Manager uh, from my role as coach when uh, Stephen Gill was sort of replaced at that time, unfortunately for him. Um, so my role is to uh, is basically to to assist Michael with anything that I can see that he may have missed, which is not normally much. Um, we do see eye to eye on pretty much everything. Um, we have pretty much the same opinion on players and how to play. Um, and just to bridge the gap between the players, um, Michael has to be a bit more of a of a lead, so he can't be as much as a mate, because obviously we're both quite young in re- in relation to to managers. Um, not closing in on forty, but not quite there yet. Um, and still sort of like to have a little play now and again as well. Um, so taking that step from a player to, to going into management, as Michael's seen, you can't really be mates with the, the lads as much, um, whereas I sort of try and be the good cop when he's been the bad cop. Um, so that's pretty much my role, I would have thought. How did that role come about for yourself then? Um, well, with, it's kind of, with regards to myself and Michael, we've been really best mates for, for years. I was best man for him when he got married and he'll be best man for me when I get married ne- this year. So we've been mates for years, um, right from sort of, I mean, we even attend the same nursery, which uh, I didn't realise. Um, he <laughs> told me later, but he, he knows his stats, so I won't correct him on that. And we went through right through secondary school and everything together and through Hartlepool. And, um, so he asked me to come to Stockton as a player and a coach. Um, and then it kind of just stepped into manager and assistant manager sort of at the start of the, the next season from that. And Paul, what's your role at Stockton Town? Yeah, so I'm first team coach, tend to lead a lot of the sessions so Michael and JD can can take a step back and have a watch and you know, we constantly in chat about what we want to improve on or work on um, as a management team. And then my role is to try and pull that in practice on the on, on the training pitch, um, which hopefully is going alright so far. Um, I've only been in this position since September. Um, previously, I ran the under-18s at Stockton Town. Um, I've also worked there full-time as a football development officer, um, but then I changed jobs, so I couldn't do as much in the club anymore. And then I changed jobs again, <laughs> and uh, it gave me a bit more free time. Um, so um, with the circumstances in my new job, that didn't allow me to do the under-18s anymore. So Mike, I had a chat with Michael, and. He, wanted, he was keen to get me involved uh, at first team level. Um, I was keen to keep helping out at Stockton Town because it's my local club. Um, and it just went from there really. So I started in mid-September um, this season. Um, 
and it's it's been going all right. So my my role is just to to train, put training on for the lads and and assist with spotting things during games and you know just putting my opinion across, which uh, Michael and JD. Um, Getting near full halfway through a game when I just pop out of nowhere. <laughs> we need your list, lads. And they both look at me and go, Yeah, yeah, we've, we've already said that. So we, t- we tend to have a very similar opinion and um, on football and how it should be played, and uh, and that's why it's working so well at the moment, I think. Obviously, you just said there you got a new job, but you still didn't want to leave Stockton. What is it that you love about non league football? Um, I think when you have affinity with a club um, and you see the club grow, I mean, I was involved at Stockton Town before I even had a first team. So I go back when it just was a junior setup, and then I was involved in the very first team in the Teesside League, and then I was involved as assistant manager when the very first won the Weeside League for the first time. So wherever my time has allowed me, I've always been involved with trying to help the club. Um, I was lucky enough to work for the club on a full-time basis uh, as a football development officer, going to the schools, um, making sure the junior setup was run correctly, um, and then I, I went in the professional game. Um, with York City um, and obviously with them getting relegated um, my job was a little bit up in the air so now um, I'm working for another professional club in the local area um, so my, my, I probably do support Stockton now more than, more than <laughs> I support a professional team you know like I could take Borough losing but I hate it when Stockton lose even when I wasn't involved so it's just that affinity that you have with the club you're passionate about the people that work there at the club and people like the chairman, Martin Ellaby, who puts a lot in behind the scenes and the exec. You know how much work them lads do, so you want to roll your sleeves up and muck in as much as you can, really. Um, and that, that, that's why I keep trying to help out. I'll throw that question to yourself as well, JD. Yeah. What is it that you love about non-league football? Um, well, it's again, it's, for me, it's the... It's, when I went to come to... When I came to Stockton, it was the, the part, to be a part of something special that's growing. Um, and look straight away you can see that Martin's vision of where he wants the club to be and the quality of the players that we even had back then in the Wayside League days was far superior than where we were and Martin wanted to get into the the Northern League as soon as possible and I I bought into this straight away and and wanted to be a part of it I've played for plenty of Northern League teams before in the past and so I've got an understanding of all that but actually being a part of something where you can help to to grow it and help to lead a little bit more rather than be led, um, it was really exciting for me. And now you can see where where we've gone in, in the short space of time that that, that the first team's been around, as we say, since progressing from the wayside league. Obviously, last year was was huge to go and win the second division at the first attempt. You could, if we if we hadn't have done that, we may find ourselves in that league for three, four, five seasons because teams come and go, and be sometimes you get a, a group of teams that are difficult to beat. So for me, it's. Obviously, being a Stockton lad, um, I've lived in Stockton pretty much all my life, and I have an affinity to that as well. I'd like to see our local club be successful, and when you see a lot of lads that are also from Stockton, uh, the likes of, of Michael and, and Paul as well, and the and the rest of the lads that play there, it it is a, a sort of a community get together that we're all striving for the same thing. Is it a bit hard to balance non-league football between your own working life, obviously not Premier League? Yeah, yeah. Um, it goes quite well with me because I'm. Um, I'm a full-time sports coach in my spare time, so I coach children in primary schools, so I'm constantly coaching anyway, and that, it's my own business, so I can decide when I, when I go and when I don't go, and I'm not working weekends ever anymore, so I'm quite comfortable with that, and I'll make sure that I'm free on the night, so that works really well for me, and it's nice to sometimes go to work and do a dodgeball club or a basketball club, and then 
come away and do a load of football after that. I know Midge works in uh, in football all day long, and uh, it, for me, it's like it's nice to have a little bit of a break from that aside. But yeah, it works really well. Obviously, you just mentioned there that you've been involved with football for quite a while. What was it that made you want to become a coach or a manager, assistant manager? Um, what it was was, I mean, I suppose I'd done my coaching qualifications when I was sort of seventeen and eighteen, um, and then since then, I've I don't know, I've just found it quite easy to be able to. Um, explain to people how to do things so whether it be children or young adults or adults I have no problem explaining how you can do something so I quite like the role of coaching uh, I quite like, like the role of leading and like I've said um, with work with Michael's quite easy because we know each other so well um, it just seems to fit perfectly and then with Paul coming on board now it's another just another little angle in there and he gives us things that that we haven't seen um, so it just seems a perfect fit for me I really I just really like coaching what is it that you both love about your jobs the most thing in Stockton? Um, I prefer the coaching. Yeah. I prefer the coaching to the games because that's what I do. You know, I'm 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 lucky enough that I work full time at a professional club, um, and I'm around football every day. And these lads batter me because I'll record games at home and I'll watch him three or four times three four times the same game it'll be a nil nil as well um, I just want to get and I, and I'll watch, you know people think I'm a bit of a geek but I, have, I just love football and it's been my life since a very young age and I'm lucky enough that when I go to work like that's my day to day work as well um, and then when I go to Stockton it's like kind of giving them that little bit of what I know about the game sometimes it's not all what they want to hear but I think it's for the benefit of the player. I like to see individuals improve. I'm more based around that, really. Um, and trying to tweak people's games smallly to find margins that can win you a game or lose you a game. Um, I think that's that's what I love about, about my job at Stockton, seeing them players individually improve game by game, week by week. Yeah, and all this hard work has resulted in this FA Vance game against Windsor at the weekend. I mean, how are you feeling about the game? Um, well, obviously we're we're overjoyed to be at this stage of the competition at only our second year. Um, <clears throat> we're confident going into the game. We've got no major injuries, which is good. Um, we've got a couple of minor injuries from from last weekend, but nothing major by the looks of it. Um, obviously, down to the last eight teams, it's, it's unlikely that you're going to get to play against a poor team, so we won't be taking anything lightly. And it's also a little bit of, even if you've if you've seen how the team play and you've heard how they play, actually playing against them on our surface on the day is a one-off experience. So you can't take that you can't read that much into what you've seen. You just need to make sure that you're on your own game and ready to go. Yeah, the thing I've always liked about Stockton Town is we've largely kept the same amount of players from the Wearside League into this league, like the core of players you've yeah. got. I mean, how have you been able to do that? that's really important from the club's perspective and how the club's set up I think you know we, we, we're not a South Shields we're not a Morpeth we're not we're not a Shieldon so we, we rely on our good youth system that we have and it is it's thriving um, you go right down the age groups and there's an identity there um, you look at the amount of players that play junior football for the club um, and they're playing for the first team now Liam Jordan Matthew Garbert, Adam Nicholson, Tom Coulthard, Max Craggs, Jamie Owens, Chris Stockton. You know, we could sit here and, and go on and on and on. Um, and I think that identity um, has got us where we are. I think and that, that if we lose that, I think we'll take a step back over because people aren't coming 
for the footballer coming for the club and it gets us through tough games um, the 1-0 against City of Liverpool where we, we dug in, in in the Vars I think it were a team full of people from outside of the club and didn't know what the club was about I don't think we'd have got through that at 1-0 yeah. um, and that's what gives us a bit of an edge I think um, Marty's always got a philosophy which we all agree with which is um, it's, and he uses the term evolution rather than revolution so it's not the you don't at the end of the season go and change seven or eight lads because they're good enough to get you where you've got to and we've always had the same philosophy where just a little adjustment of maybe two or three players um, if we could sort of just strengthen the squad a little bit you know maybe some weaker areas then we can carry on from that and the same again and that's what we've done season after season yeah, and at the weekend, another under-18 player came into the squad. Was it Jack Lambert? How did yeah. he perform and what does he offer the Jack, side? Jack, Jack can be what everyone wants. Jack's got loads of ability. I've coached Jack since he was 11. So um, now as a 17, 18-year-old boy, um, he, he's kicked on really well over the last couple of years. But you know, he, he did say after the game that was a bit faster than anything he's played in, which is expected. Mm-hmm. I thought he was up against probably their best player at the weekend. Their right back was probably the best player on the pitch at the weekend, in my opinion. And I, he didn't look out of place. His first pass was a bit nervy, but he's a kid, you expect it. Um, but that's just one of another. Um, you look at the likes of Shabs Mahmid, Jake Pettergene, um, you know, Ryan Kirby's been around it. There's there's five or six under-18s that have been in and around this run, uh, the training or on the bench or played in a game, in the cup games. That I've been around what we're doing, and I think that that's that's give us a good base to go on. And J- Jack Jack's another one of those. Arthur Connolly as well. Um, I thought he did really well. I thought he took to it really well. Um, and he's got all the ability in the world, Jack. Um, and he definitely will end up a top non-league player in the years to come. Any other few guys who have northern league experience in the past? I particularly think of the Mulligan brothers who've come into this side. What impact do they have? As you've progressed up the leagues, uh, Ronnie and Reggie. Um, <laughs> no, they. I think they give you that that know-how of when games are tough. You know, I think the lads who've been at the club for a long time, JD will say the same. I'm sure. Um, have been used to winning games and winning games with ease. Um, obviously, Nathan and Dale have both got good pedigree. They've both been both been players at at, at Middlesbrough, and then they've played a really good level non-league. Um, when they've come out of the professional game and I think they just give you that bit of grit that bit of steel and that little bit of know-how and know the division Um, and that helps the players that haven't played in Division 1 before because a large amount of the squad this is the first season at that level because they've been with the club since they were 8, 9, 10 years old and worked their way up with the club so they've grew with the club but them two have come the other way and added a bit of of know-how I think you mentioned that it's obviously a fast-paced league. Would it shock people that come down how good the Northern League or people are? You kind of hear that quite regularly at the moment. It's it's nice to see because the, obviously our social media side of things is, is constantly growing, which is good to see. And, and I think pretty much every week that I've I've read a tweet on oh, my first Stockton match today, I loved it. I uh, won't be going back to the Borough and all this sort of thing that goes <laughs> with it. Um, so, it's yeah, it's good to see that... Um, the, the pace of the of the game is appreciated by fans that are coming in, first-time fans that are coming in and, and want to come back for more. Um, there's plenty of my friends and, and colleagues that I've worked with in the past that I'm seeing faces around now and thinking, oh, you've turned up to watch. And then that's it, they go into the bar, they see the facilities that we've got, and then they just want to be a part of it. 
Um, and long may that continue because, I mean, the last Vars game we had, what, 663 fans there. Um, two years ago in the Wayside League we had 60 fans there. Um, so I think that um, Southport brought 60 fans with them that, that game, so the majority were Stockton fans. So that was our that was a record for us in that short space of time. If we could achieve something bigger than that on Saturday, that'd be great. Yeah, I can clearly see that the guys who play at Stockton Town are mates, and they also play Sunday League football with Hardwick, and they yeah. won the Sunday Cup last year, which is a national competition. Yeah, Paul was involved in that as well, obviously, in a big part of it. And it, it's we've ha- we've reaped the benefits of that in some ways, and then in other ways we sort of have to sort of just deal with that. Um, every now, obviously, Adam Nicholson got a very severe, severe injury at the last uh, the last game playing in the final. Um, and put himself out for between six and nine months for playing on a Sunday, if you know what I mean, be it the, the final of that competition. So sometimes it's a bit of a one you've got to kind of manage as well as you can because we don't want lads getting injured on a Sunday when obviously they're playing for us on the following Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. Um, but the other side of it is they have a really good affinity uh, in that way. And the likes of, of Nathan and Dale has probably come, well, Nathan particularly, because of the Hardwick side of things. Um, and because he, he knew the lads like that, he said he was enjoying playing more for the Hardwick than he was for his previous club on a Saturday. Um, and given two months at Stockton, he said he didn't want to go anywhere else. So I think we, we build uh, an atmosphere where the, the players feel comfortable. So if it is your, your first time at the club as a player, you're not going to feel like you're on your own sat in the corner. And the, the Hardwick's been a, like I said, it's probably been a good thing for us. And I mean, how many Stockton, Stockton players played for Hardwick in the final last year? Was there? I think there was eight. Was he eight at the time? Eight started out the eleven. Yeah. Eight started out the eleven in the final at Sheffield. So. And then we ended up with Nathan and uh, Jamie Poole because of that. And Jamie Owens. And Jamie Owens, of course. Yeah. So three ended up joining it. Yeah, almost mm-hmm. a full squad. Yeah, and I was going to go on Adam Nicholson anyway because he was in the lineup at the weekend. I saw how far is he from being like a regular in the team now? I think Adam's probably o- overachieved how fast he's come back. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, if we'd have said at the start of the year you'd play a game in November, December, uh, he'd have probably snapped your hands off. Um, obviously, it's hard to get back it after such a serious injury. He's done tremendously well to get where he is, and he knows through the work of the physio Sam, Sam Higgins at the club, who was fantastic. Um, through the work with Sam, he knows where he needs to go next to 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 make that next bridge. What he what he what he needs to make to get, get him back to the performances he was given before yeah. before he got injured. What, what we've got to realise is that, as well as if somebody has said to us in his first month or so, he might look a little bit tired, a little leggy, he might make the odd mistake. You'd expect that. And that's kind of what situation we're in at the moment. He made a little bit of a mistake on Saturday and beat himself up about it afterwards because he just didn't put enough on a back pass. But you kind of got to expect that if you realise the severity yeah. of his injury and his time out. It's, it's just, I know you sit, you hear it, it's just match fitness and match awareness. And that'll come. In the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, you can see he's kind of feeling it a little bit, feeling the pace. But to be where he is now is, is superb for everybody, really. And the Northern League, I mean, there's been pressures for compulsory promotion in the future. Do you guys have an opinion on that? Yeah, I think it's great. I yeah. think, you know, I think being involved with a club, you want to play at the highest level you can, you want the club to be at the highest <coughs> level it can go to. I think that, that ambition shared by the committee at the club and the chairman, mm-hmm. shared by the players and the staff. And I think I think it's good because there's too many clubs that want to just win this league and, and don't want to go anywhere else. Um, I think the step up, I think the, the, the new system that they're, they're looking at putting in place, and I seen on non-league zone last week, the potential league and the clubs that could be in it, 
I think that'd be a fantastic league to participate in. Um, test yourself against good opposition, more out the area as well, so you get to play new teams and new players. Because let's be honest, in the Northern League, it's a bit of a merry-go-round. Play against the same club, and then the same player plays for a different club next year, and you're playing against the same lads. And, and it'd be nice to have that experience of going playing against different clubs, different facilities, different area, different players. Um, I think if that was to come off, I, I know speaking to Martin and, and Michael and JD share the same share same thoughts. Really, um, we we would really jump at that chance. Really. Mm-hmm. We had Steve in last week from Redcar. You've came from the Wearside League yourselves. What advice would you have for any clubs that are hoping to make that step up to the Northern League? Well, what I think what we found when in our first, obviously last season, we didn't. It's difficult because you don't really know how good you are until you face the other team. So we say, are we going to hang on? Are we going to be mid-table? What's our chances? And we were thinking if we can get ourselves somewhere in the top three, that'd be great. Um, and the likes of Redcar, when we were playing in the Wearside League, were always tough op- opponents for us so if they I mean they could certainly hold their own in the in the Northern League second division it, once you get out of that Wayside League then the world's your oyster after that I suppose you can go and do whatever you want and the same with uh, was Jarrow wasn't it last year yeah um, they seem to be handling themselves quite well in that division as well so um, yeah just once you're out of there you're alright you're just getting it right it was tough for us because of financial difficulties at the time and, and, and but once it's done once your ground grading's done and you've spent the money you don't have to do it again and again and again. It's done. Um, yeah. And then, as Paul's just been saying there, Marty's always of the opinion that we would never want to uh, not take promotion. If we had to add, add another stand and do whatever, then we've spoke about that and how we could work things. And I mean, we were in conversations only a couple of months ago about, depending on how far we go and how 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 we do, potentially moving again to another ground. And you think, whoa, how far could this club go, really, from the Wayside League days? I think something me and James spoke about before the game was the artificial pitch. Is that something that's useful at non-league level? Because we saw Max getting called off. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've played, what, 31 games now. It's very rare we get a game cancelled. Only if we have severe snow. And even that's not really stopped us in the last no. uh, the last two times it happened. Um, obviously, Mask have got real issues with their pitch. And it, it, it's just piling up fixtures for them that I'm sure Carl would rather that they played. So we do have the advantage of, of getting through our games... Uh, where they're not going to be all piled on. So the surface, obviously, it's going to. I think when you speak to the other teams yeah. that you play against, they all love playing on it. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not. They're not waiting for it to bobble over the foot and yeah. the crowd to heckle them like they do. You know, it's true. Um, it's a good artificial pitch. It gives it a pretty true bounce. Yeah, you um, get you get the odd one that says it's a massive home advantage to be playing on this. Yeah. But where where can you not have a home advantage? To be fair, if you if you go to Old Trafford, you can't say this isn't fair. You've got seventy thousand fans here. So you got to deal with it, haven't you? Um, and if you're a decent football team, you can get the ball down and play. Right. So yeah, it's I think it actually hindered us because when teams come, <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Oh, fantastic! We can get it down today and play." So every team that comes, the the turn at the Barcelona the for twenty minutes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. They get on the what? They start warming up and start rubbing hands sh- together. Instead of shouting, looking around, going, "Oh man, <laughs> they weren't like this last week when we watched them on YouTube." Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing you just mentioned, YouTube. There, Saturday's opponents, Windsor. How would you go about finding out? Well, we've spent a bit of time so far. We're going to spend a few more nights analysing and going over things. Obviously, it's good that you can go onto social media and YouTube and, and see footage of things, and and then you can you can take a little bit out of that. You, it depends on I mean, what turns up on, we, we, on Saturday. But I personally, myself, when I watched Bootle before mm-hmm. the Bootle game, yeah, um, watched him on the Saturday before I went down because we had a free weekend, um, and then 
they came the next week and it was completely different. I think we're non-league. A, you don't know if the lads are working so they can travel this far. B, uh, something might pop up last minute. It's just so unpredictable. It's not like a professional game where you can say, well, 90% of the time they play like this. This is how they do things. I think uh, it's a lot more... It's not as rigid as that yeah. uh, and you can't second-guess it. I think it's nice to know who you're playing against and a few little bits about them, but I think mm-hmm. in the Vars with one-off games, it's about you. It's about you as a team and you, you do what you do best. Um and I don't care what anyone says, you have a bit of lady luck along the way with you mm. and you keep progressing game by game and if that takes you to Wembley, it yeah. takes you to Wembley, if it takes you to the semi-final or this round, we've done tr- tremendously well so far so I think we've exceeded expectations really. But it's just about us, we yeah, just try definitely. and be us, the best us all the time. That's a, that's a message to the lads at training, yeah. be the best version of us and we take it from there. I think if you are looking at any video footage on YouTube and stuff, at least you can you can potentially potentially look at weaknesses that you might be able to highlight and exploit, um, but it would take three or four uh, games to sort of spot that out and see if it's the same players are playing the same playing the same style. But it might be useful. We've already spoke about your progression from the Wearside League. It's now the quarterfinal. How does it rank in your in the club's achievements since the time you've been there? Well, I've been at the club for fourteen years now, um, in some capacity, um, and I think it's. Without doubt, the biggest week in the club's history. Yeah, um, the highest achievement he's had is winning the league last year. Yeah, and I think, I think if you said to someone you've won Division Two or you're playing a quarter final of the FA Vars, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they'd take the quarter final of the FA Vars. So, I think that speaks for itself. I think it's the club's biggest game. I think uh, it's the biggest achievement in the club's history, and mm. hopefully, we can produce bigger moments in the future. What's the ambition for the club going forward? What would be the ultimate goal for Stockton if you had to give us one? Oh, man. That's that's an unlimited answer, I think. I think the way Marty looks at it, I think he he, he said this before, and this club will be as big as the the town of Stockton wants it to be. Um, Obviously, as long as we can keep things in the right direction, if if the fans keep supporting and um, local businesses keep supporting and it keeps growing the way it is growing, we keep producing on the pitch. There's nothing to stop us gradually, gradually going forward as we want to. I think um, you look at the spending mill model. Uh, yeah, it was only five, yeah. six seasons ago that they were in a similar position to what we're in now. Mm-hmm. And with the right back in, the right fan base, you look at their crowds that they get at home. I mean, the manager is a good friend of all of ours. Yeah. He's a Stockton lad as well, Jason Aisley. Um, he lives around the corner from the club. Um, I think if you look at what they've done and how they've went about things, I think... If they can get to the playoff positions that they're in now in the in the in National League North, there's no reason why a town as big as Stockton can't do what Spennymill have done because Stockton is a bigger town than Spennymill and no one's gonna mm-hmm. you can't argue with that. And I think if the people buy into it, keep supporting us like they have, literally we can go where the the, the people of Stockton want us to go. Obviously Mask are another T side club in the FA Vars. Would you want to see that as the final or would you prefer them to get knocked out so you have more of a chance of a winning or I think I think, you know, I've got friends at Mask, JD's got friends at Mask, we're very friendly with the manager, Carl. I've got personal friends within the team. Um, I think it'd be great if two T-side clubs could play in the final. Um, but to be totally honest with you, I'm not really that bothered about Mask and what they do. All I'm bothered about is what, what we do. Um, it sounds... It'd be a good occasion for T-side yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Our, in our area. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, obviously they have a lot of quality. And when the draws, when the, yeah. to... to 
to be respectful to them when the draw's made. It's the one team you don't want to play. Yeah. Um, and I hope they would think the same for us because I think on our day we can beat anyone. Um, I think they've got experienced Northern League players and they're kind of in a different place in their whole lifetime than where we are. Um, but if we could avoid each other right up to the final, I think if anybody said that at the start of the competition, you'd snap both hands off and everything else with it and yeah, take it. So if we were at the final against them, it'd be outstanding. So was the FA Vars something that was always a priority at the start of the season? Or well, what, we'd, not think about what we'd spoke about, I mean, last season, we'd, we'd, like I said, we'd said top three if we could, and we ended up beating that. That was great. We'd said at the start of the season that first priority would be to obviously just stay in that division. After that, top ten with regards to the league, which is, despite our particularly bad start, we're in that top ten at the moment. And then we'd said a good Vars run and a good cup run. League Cup quarterfinals, FA Vars quarterfinals. So yeah. we're on track to achieve the reasonable goal that we did. I mean, I think we've probably overachieved with the Vars. 100%. Um, we weren't expected to get this far. But it goes down to the, the players and how much they're buying into it, how much they're enjoying it, how much they're believing in themselves and raising their standards in their own game. And then we're coming off victory after victory. And in some games where it's been really tight, I mean, the concert game, um, coming and winning 4-3 in that game was... I mean, I think you were you there that one, Jim? Yeah, that was honestly one of the best games game. I've ever been to. Yeah, if I'm honest. Our first game. Yeah, that was the one that that Michael wasn't at. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd give him a report of that back, and he was he was obviously jumping around all over the place yeah. at that time. So yeah, I think we've we've overachieved our our goals with with regards to the Vars, but everything else is is kind of pretty much what we were hoping for. Saturday, why would you recommend people to come down watching? Oh, go on, Paul, give us the answer to that. Well, I think you'll see a good game. I think you see a national competition in show at the latter stages. You get to see a team from London with an ex-Premier League centre-forward in the ranks in Barry Ailes. Um, and more importantly, you get to see your town become one step closer to playing at Wembley. Mm. I think if you, if you can say you were there for most of the rounds and then go to Wembley and watch the town you live in, the town you were born in play, I think that's pretty much, yeah. barring playing on the pitch, I think that's pretty much what everyone about doing you know for lots of people have done it with Middlesbrough it was Stockton it was Stockton based imagine going to watch Stockton at Wembley I think that that's the selling point for us we're, we're three games away three good wins away and I think you get you get value for money you look yeah, at all our games you know the concert game the bootle game you know the West Auckland game they've got no extra time and it's been pretty nail-biting and and you, you speak like JD said earlier in the, in the in the bit where we've been speaking about is People are actually saying they'd rather come and watch this than, than a championship game. Um, the value for money, I mean, I looked at I looked at the fixture and I think there's only been six games that we've been a part of so far out of 42 that there's been less than three goals in the game. Um, and you look at it and it's 4-3s, 3-1s, 7-2s all over the place. Um, so the value for, for money there is superb. Plus, the, like, I mean, you're looking at pitch invasions at one point in the, in the <laughs> 120th minute, last-minute goals, so... When the game's finished, the the sort of the five of us, well, be, behind the scenes and the and the, the chairman, we just slump in a corner, don't we, in these last five games, just to go, oh, that's done, we can breathe now. Yeah. So I, I'd take that again on, on Saturday if we're in the same position at the end of that. Yeah. Superb. Right, thanks very much for joining us. Cheers, well, thanks, thanks guys. for having us. Cheers. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank Hopefully you. Hopefully we'll be talking to you about the final. Hopefully. <laughs> so that was JD Briggs and Paul Midgley of Stockton Town. Now we'll move on to the other Teesside club in action.
Mask United cruised to victory in the last round of the competition, but the team standing in their way for a place in the semi-finals is Bracknell Town. James caught up with Tom Cannon from Football in Bracknell to find out more about Mask United's opponents. What is the mood down there ahead of these ties? I've got to be honest, I think it's pretty buoyant. I think people are pretty uh, optimistic uh, about how we might do. Um, no getting away from it. It's a bunch of tough games. Um, certainly going up, the winds are going up to Stockton and Mars coming down here. But it's, you know, I think I think people are optimistic. I think supporters are optimistic of both clubs. They can spring a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, and where does this achievement rank for the history of both these football clubs? So you'll have to forgive me, my knowledge of Windsor is not brilliant, but Windsor are a fairly new club. They they are reformed out of the old Windsor and Eton FC. So, I mean, this is probably, someone else might correct me, but this is probably the, one of their biggest days uh, since the club was reformed. Um, for Bracknell, Bracknell have a, a slightly longer history. They've previously reached the fifth round of the Vars um, on, on two occasions, but I think not since the 80s. Um, but... They have made the first round of the FA Cup, so I still, personally, I still hold that up there higher than this. But if they were to make the semi-finals or the final, then, I mean, hands down, it would be the, the biggest day in the club's history. Yeah, 4-0 defeat to Lincoln City that day in the FA yeah, Cup. It was, a, it was absolutely, it was an incredible day. It didn't matter what the score was. The score was immaterial. Um, you know, they, I think at the time Lincoln was struggling a little bit in uh, what was Lee, what would have been Division Three at the time, and being I think we were three or four divisions below. But you just thought maybe if they got an early goal, we might. Uh, as it was, we had one shot, but we had an absolute brilliant time. Yeah, and Opa, you're in the northeast. We've not had a northern league club in the FA Cup first round since around twelve, thirteen years ago. So you know that is a bigger thing. Than you know, getting far in the FA Vars. The FA Cup's bigger than the Vars, is it? You would say, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. getting further would probably be ranked as a better achievement. I, th- I think, yeah. I mean, certainly the financial, uh, the financial gain is there uh, if you get a bit further in the FA Cup. But I mean, I think the Vars, Vars is a funny one because in the in the qualifying rounds, it's like uh, it's hundred and fifty quid or whatever it is, and the supporters are, like, oh, who are we playing today? But when you get to this point, when you get to the the sort of third, fourth round, I think there's a real sense that actually we we could uh, we could do this. Yeah, and just looking through our research, I think Highworth Town were the less Hellenic League team to actually reach the semi-finals. That was when they played North Shields back in 2015. And the North East, the Northern League teams, have tended to dominate this competition. I mean, there's a team in the final pretty much every season. How was that sort of viewed in your league? So, um, well, I, I guess um, it, it's it's not, I don't think it's viewed particularly, I think it's viewed as like, why don't those teams get promoted? Why don't those teams go up? Of course, I, I think the general view is is that, um, of course, they do well. They they are kind of, they're, they're stuck in, in that kind of league. I think because of the regional regionalisation of the, of the leagues and the extra travel if you go up. And I, I think that's genuinely the feeling that, you know, of course, those teams do well. They, they, you know they they spend a lot of money, uh, and and they they kind of a, a bit of a bottleneck really. Um, so I think that's the general feeling, and I would be surprised if that wasn't the feeling around much of the rest of the country. There's a sort of general expectation that the northern the northern sides will do well. 
Yeah, I mean, the FA are looking into that and actually trying to push teams up to the next level, but it's about getting teams into them higher levels, into the step three, four leagues. I mean, we've had a review and tried to get an actual Northern League league into as a step four, and it's been denied. But it feels like something that needs to happen. That um, just just to get clubs moving, because uh, you know, having been with Bracknell in the Southern League, so the, the like step four, step three, step four level, it's expensive and it's a lot of distance, and there needs to be a way for these clubs to go up and stay up, and and you know, without bankrupting themselves. Yeah, and on the pitch, which players from each team should we be looking at to sort of influence this, these games? Um, so, I mean, when, again, you know, as I say, my, my knowledge of Windsor isn't great. I've seen them a couple of times this season. Um, you, you just, I know everybody will say this, but you can't look further than further than Barry Hales, really. Um, he's 45. Um, you know, he's pretty immobile. But you give him the ball in the box and... You know, you can you can expect that that's going to be in the back of the net. I, I saw him. He played. They played against Burnham, and you know he did absolutely nothing all game. And Burnham were bottom of the league at the time. And the Windsor were struggling to get past them, and uh, they just gave the ball to Hales, and and there it was. There's a, there's another lad called Nadir Shafi, and I hope I pronounced his name correctly. He wasn't playing in any of the games that I've seen, but I see his name pop up all the time, um, and he he strikes me as being one to watch as well for Windsor. Um, for Bracknell, I mean, where do you start, really? Uh, they've got they've got an absolutely incredible front line um, to the point where two of the strikers that couldn't get into the Bracknell, well, one of the, certainly one of them that couldn't get into the into the Bracknell lineup because of because of the strikers they had has gone and scored 15 goals for Thatcham. So, you know, up front they've got uh, Adam Cornell and TJ Bohain, and uh, they are. You know they are not shy in front of goal. They've Bratton have tended to play only one up front in these Vars games, though. Um, and it's it's actually if if I was going to watch the game as a neutral, I'd be looking at the two wingers, uh, Bowman and Joe Grant. Said Bowman on the left hand side, Joe Grant on the right. Those two are what make the club and make the team tick, and they deliver the ball um, just unbelievably well. Uh, if if Marskin can get there early and keep those two quiet, then uh, you know you never know. I expect Steve Mars manager will have done his homework. Though. Yeah, I mean, what would you say? Sorry, all I was going to say as well, it, a lot depends on whether uh, I think uh, Justin Clayton plays at centre-back. He went off injured in the last game. Um, he is a relatively new signing, but from what I've seen of him, I've seen him a couple of times and he's just an absolute colossus. Um, so then, and Bratton will always look a little bit more assured when he's playing. Yeah, and what would you say the style of these two clubs are? I mean, you're probably more qualified to give a response on Bracknell Town? Um, Bracknell, I, I mean, I, I would say they're a real footballing side. They're, they're technically, they're very good, um, but they're just, they're very, uh, they're, they're very direct, you know. I, I, I don't want to say, sound like a, a bit of a cliche, but, you know, they know where the goal is. Uh, you only have to look at how many goals they've scored this season. And I, I, I didn't, I should have looked it up before I came on, but I, I forgot. Uh, but, you know, they know where the goal is. They, they've had, they, they, they don't concede many. They, they've scored plenty, but, you know, they're a good footballing side they play the ball around on the deck as you'd expect playing on a, on an artificial surface really um and you know if mask want to get rid of get get near them they need to they're gonna to have to close them down and uh yeah i don't know anything about mask uh personally but um i, I think uh you know you'll enjoy, the supporters coming down will enjoy watching bracknell play i think as long as they don't win i suppose <laughs> And both games this weekend are taking place on an artificial surface. We're seeing them more pop up in 
non-league um, yeah. should equal to some great football getting played. What do you think of the introduction of these at this sort of level? Uh, I think it has to happen everywhere. Um, I think it's you, as long as the finances are there, as long as the finances are there at the club. Um, I think clubs that, that that do it are reaping the benefits. You know, at, at Bracknell, they've, they've their crowds have increased. You know, they, they they were always relatively well supported in the in the league that they were in. You know, they were getting a hundred between sort of eighty and a hundred most weeks, which wasn't bad. It probably fifth or sixth highest attendance. But since they've been able to have kids training on the pitch all through the week, since they've been able to use the pitch all the time um, the, the attendances have grown and having more people at the club all the time playing on the pitch using the pitch feeling like the club is their home um, has only been for the benefit of the football club itself and I don't buy when people say that it's a different surface and it's a different game of football I don't buy it at all I, I've watched Bracknell play five or six times this season and you know they are a fan, they are a fantastic team to watch and they play some great football so I don't buy this thing that people say where uh, you know, it's not proper football. It, it, it just, it's just not true. Yeah, I mean, Mask United have had about five or six postponements over the last two months yeah. or so, and it seems to happen season after season. I just think yeah. more clubs need to be looking at this because there can be fabulous football played in the pitches at such a high level now. Well, you know, you're get you're going to get more people coming to the games if they know they're going to see a good game. Um, you know, if they know that the game's going to be on. Uh, I know Bracknell are a bit frustrated at the moment because they've got they've had some away games called off uh, because obviously the other teams haven't got the pitches. And I know there's a little bit of a if you're just looking through the Twitter accounts of some of the people involved with the club, I think they've they've tried to get some of the games uh, switched so that some of the sort of uh, ones that have pitches that are slightly more susceptible, they tried to get those earlier in the season, and then they obviously try and play Bracknell at home in the months where uh, obviously you can't play at home every week during January and uh, December and January but I think they certainly tried to I think the the one that stood out massively was uh, Bracknell played Binfield their, their near neighbours Binfield at the start of the season uh, at Bracknell on the artificial surface uh, and they then played I think it was either Boxing Day or New Year's Day they were due to play the reverse fixture and of course that got called off and I think both clubs had had highlighted it with the league that uh, that that particular set of fixtures should have been switched so that the uh, the Binfield at home game was earlier in the season and both clubs I believe were willing to do it so it was a bit of a shame that they, they kind of weren't able to do that right. Finally for the travelling Mask United fans what will they be to do in Bracknell? So, uh, okay, I'm glad you ask. Uh, it's nothing to do with the fact that I asked you to ask me this question. Um, yeah, uh, so obviously Bracknell has a brand new town centre, which was about 20 years in the making. Uh, it's a long story, and I don't suppose you've got time to go through it. Um, but there's a, there's a fantastic new town centre. There's uh, plenty of uh, places to eat, plenty of places to, to go and see. Um, however, um, we have been made aware, I say made aware, we, we have spoken to a couple of the local pubs. So I, I think most there, there's a travel lodge very, very near the ground, which I suspect is probably where most of the fans will be staying. Um I know the rugby club, which is a short walk, is about a 10-minute walk from the ground, are going to be open early for the Six Nations. And they've said uh, anybody wearing um, any mask merchandise are welcome to come and watch any of the rugby. And there will also be some special offers on, on drink if people want to go and have a little drink before the game. Um, up from there, there's another pub on the way to the ground called the Royal Oak, uh, which I know people will be very welcome in there. 
Um, and there's also a weather spoons, which will, you know, it's very weather spoonsy, but it's in a really old building. Um, so that, that's quite cool. And, you know, you can, all of those are kind of on the way to the ground. So there's plenty to do there. Um, as I say, the, the shopping centre is really good. And, you know, if people just enjoy, you know, the countryside, there's an absolutely stunning countryside around here as well. Um, you know, the Queen's got quite a lot of forest um there's there's some there's some you know there's some there's some lovely walks there's some lovely bits of uh lovely bits of countryside to go and explore as well uh windsor windsor isn't that far away so pop down and see the castle um you know and and just you know enjoy yourselves while you're down here is what i would say but um i, th- I thought you might enjoy uh, a little bit of money off a, a few drinks yeah and that's the fabulous thing about the fa vars gives these teams a chance to sort of explore the rest of the country Yes, yes. Um, I think a few years ago, uh, a friend of mine was telling me, uh, I think the mask stopped off at Bracknell uh, a few years ago when they were, I think they were playing Marlow. Uh, and it might have been in the trophy or the vase, and I'm a bit, a bit sketchy on this, but I believe um, they were hosted by Bracknell on the way to the game. So I think there's a little bit of history there as well. Um, if anybody uh, if anybody is coming down that was on that trip, it'd be great to meet them and talk to them about it, because I was involved in the club back then as well. There you have it, a positive feel down in Bracknell ahead of the FA Vars quarter-final. Let's hope following both ties on Saturday that it's Mask United and Stockton Town who have enjoyed the victories. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, we hope you've enjoyed it. We'd also like to thank JD Briggs and Paul Midgley for taking their time to come down and get involved. We'll see you next time.